It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Tuesday, October 26, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider purchasing a $3 million solid waste compactor that would compact Sitka's garbage into bales to reduce the risk of shipping fires at sea. Last year, Alaska Marine Lines announced it would no longer allow several southeast communities, including Sitka, to ship garbage in open-topped containers with limited compaction. Sitka contracts its solid waste shipment with Republic Services, which loads shipping containers full of Sitka's waste onto AML barges to Seattle, then drives the garbage to a landfill in eastern Washington. Following AML's announcement, the city has been negotiating with Republic Services over who will foot the bill for the compacting equipment. The Assembly heard a presentation from Republic Services last spring, and representatives from the company maintained that the cost was on the city. If the city didn't invest in new compacting equipment, Republic Services was contractually obligated to find another way to ship garbage off the island, which they said would cost the city even more money. In a memo to the Assembly, city staff recommend budgeting $3 million for a new compactor at the transfer station. It would be paid for, in large part, by a loan from the Southeast Economic Development Fund. Once the system is installed, it's estimated to cut costs by around $26,000 a year. In other business, the Sitka Assembly will consider including a land acknowledgement in future meetings, and it will revisit the city's long-term parking rules at Crescent Harbor and Sealing Cove. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight. Raven Radio will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Sitka reported two new coronavirus cases over the weekend, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. This marks a departure from last week's upward trend of positive cases. The city now has a seven-day case rate of 19 and will remain in high COVID alert until less than nine COVID cases are reported over a seven-day period. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Sitka has reported a total of 1,166 cases, 24 hospitalizations, and four deaths. Two new positive coronavirus cases were reported in Yakutat on Monday, according to the community's Department of Public Safety. There are currently three active cases in Yakutat. All three cases are in local residents. All were vaccinated and symptomatic at the time of testing. The new cases are being attributed to community spread. Since September 12th, Yakutat has reported 33 positive cases and a total of 52 positive cases since the start of the pandemic. Enrollment is down in Alaska's university-level accounting programs, but demand for accounting in the state is on the rise. Julie Hamilton is the former chief financial officer of the Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation and an associate professor of accounting, business, and public policy at the University of Alaska Southeast. In a presentation last week as part of the Sitka Chamber of Commerce's Fall Speaker Series, Hamilton reported that enrollment in the university's accounting classes had dropped from 600 in 2017 to just over 400 now. Nevertheless, there is an upmarket for accounting professionals at all levels in the state. You know, we definitely have these declining um, degrees awarded. And I am contacted often from businesses, the state, um, CPA firms, like we need, we need graduates, we need accountants, we need people. They, they have to go outside of the state to try and recruit these students. And, and that's sometimes unfortunate. We all know that trying to bring people into Alaska can be <laughs> hit or miss. 
Hamilton's department offers four levels of accounting training, an occupational endorsement, a one-year accounting tech certificate, a two-year associate's degree, and a four-year bachelor's degree with an emphasis in accounting. The school's Master's of Public Administration also incorporates accounting classes. Three-quarters of the students are attending part-time while working, 60% of students are over 30 years of age, and there's a flexible schedule that was unheard of until a few years ago. What I would personally love to do is teach more classes that are, I think the new term is maybe polysynchronous, where we teach in the classroom at the same time as we're teaching online and we're recording. So student can choose, okay, do I want to go to class today? Do I want to log in to class today? Do I want to watch the video later? Hamilton has worked as a professional accountant for 33 years, with many of those spent in the private sector, in addition to her tenure with the Alaska Permanent Fund. She's born and raised in Juneau. Like many Alaskans, she did not spend her entire career behind a desk. One of my little side detours in between uh, working for LG Rayfield and opening my own CPA firm, I, I did commercial fishing on a saner, and I ran the sane skiff for, for a summer. And that I, of course, I was the accountant for the skipper because like what you, you have a CPA license. Oh, can you do this for me? Can you do that? Can you do all the 1099s? Can you? Um, so I, I have seen it's, it's a business and I have seen some of the business owners sort of fail in that way. And, um, you know, 1099s are critical. You can't not file them. <laughs> Hamilton was introduced to accounting in a class at Juno Douglas High School, and she loved it right away and knew that it would be her career. She regrets that high schools typically don't offer accounting classes anymore, and that the profession, which can mean the difference between success and failure in business, has become stigmatized. You know, everybody has this notion that um, it's a boring something, you know, I don't know. <laughs> there's there's some some things about accounting that um, you know, we count beans and things like that. But accounting, it, it can be fun. You can work anywhere. But I know, um, you know, that's not exactly what we're here to talk about. But I just wanted to put that out there. Hamilton said that there are niche opportunities opening up in Alaska that are unique to the state and the lifestyle here, like environmental accounting, including sustainable tourism and ecotourism. The Sitka Chamber of Commerce's Fall Speaker Series meets every Wednesday at noon via Zoom. Archipelago Lot 2A. That's the name of a prominent public space along downtown Juneau's waterfront that few people know. Officials with Juneau Docks and Harbors think they've got a better name that fits with some new public art. It would also help teach throngs of cruise ship visitors a little about Alaska civil rights history. KTOO's Jeremy Shea reports. Four-year-old Emmett Heimbigner is doing some wobbly laps on a bike that recently got pedals. I am Emmett, and I've learned to ride a bike, and I've done it. I haven't done it by myself. Which His dad's keeping an eye on him, and so is Alaska Civil Rights leader Elizabeth Paratrovich in a giant three-story mural behind him. Do you recognize her? Mm -hmm. The decked-over lot along Juno's seawalk that Emmett is riding on could soon be renamed for her, Paratrovich Plaza. Juno Docks and Harbors officials have been calling it the Archipelago Lot. That name seems to come from a boring legal description of the property. 
Kirby Day, who's worked for the cruise industry in Juneau for decades, says it's not well known. When you say archipelago a lot, no one really knows what that is or what that means. That checked out with people walking by during the lunch hour on Thursday. Emmett's dad, for example, didn't know the archipelago name, but knew Peratrovich. Juno Docton Harbor's officials want to rename the lot, both to fit with the new mural that was finished in September and to help people get around the waterfront better. Here's Docton Harbor's board member, Mark Ridgway. There's a natural flow to naming it uh, Peratrovich Plaza, given the mural's existence there. And we were talking about people who were just walking off of a boat. I'd like it better than, say, the Norwegian Nook or the Carnival Corner or the P&O Outlook. The board committee voted 7-1 to one on Wednesday to recommend the Juno Assembly formally change the name. Ray Wilson was also walking the waterfront on Thursday. The Flingit elder has lived in Juno most of his life and wears a hat that says Native Veteran. I think uh, for a long time the uh, city of Juno hasn't recognized the Native people and uh, haven't given them enough credit for what they do and what they put into the pot, so to speak. Wilson also has a fuzzy memory that he might be a distant relative of Elizabeth Peratrovich. To include Peratrovich in Juno history is a big step towards recognizing Native people. The Docks and Harbors Board recommendation to rename the lot has to go through one more meeting before it goes to the Juno Assembly. In Juno, I'm Jeremy Shea. Hunters have set a new record for the month-long moose season on the islands and mainland of central southeast Alaska. The season ended Friday, October 15th, and hunters reported killing 129 bulls around Wrangell, Cake, and Petersburg. That's two more than the previous record sent in 2019. Nearly half this year's haul, or 61 moose, came from Kupernoff Island. Hunters reported 29 legal moose shot in the Cake area, along with another three that did not meet the state's antler requirements. Outside of Cake, the remaining of Kupernoff produced another 26 legal bulls and three more illegals. Nearby on Kuyu Island, hunters harvested 21, and harvest on the Stikine River near Wrangell came on strong in the late season with a total of 20 legal moose and one illegal. Hunters also had success in mainland bays north of Petersburg. Farragut Bay had seven legal bulls and one illegal. Three were taken in Thomas Bay, three near Port Houghton, and another one from elsewhere on the mainland. There were also five shot on Wrangell Island, three legals and two illegals on Mitkofa Island, and one legal bull from Wawetsky Island as well. The 10 illegal moose are a little lower than average. It's typically about 10% of the total, but this year is under 8%. Fish and Game issued 1,023 permits for the registration hunt this year, just short of the most recent five-year average. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.